Hello, and welcome back to Stories New and Old with me, Alyssa. First, I have to say thank you for your patience um, with my absence from the podcast for a little while. Uh, Like I shared in my last episode, I went on vacation at the end of March, beginning of April, and it was wonderful. I had so much fun with Joe getting to see artwork and eat delicious food and, of course, learn about history. I've been away from the podcast for longer than expected um, because there's a lot going on in life right now. If you're curious about the details, you can check out my blog where I share monthly recaps about what I've been up to. But the main takeaway is I started a new job at Google that I'm loving, um, but it is taking up more of my time than usual. And I have some things happening in my personal life that mean I'm going back and forth to New Jersey much more frequently, which leaves me little time to work on my blog and on the podcast. For a little while, I'm planning to post new episodes once every three to four weeks, and then I'll up the frequency when I can. But anyway, let's get into the reason you're actually here, to listen to a history story. I was flipping through a book that Joe got me about the New York Historical Society, and I saw mention that the society, as it was being established, um, that they had a lottery to raise funds for the new society. This made me think about a blog post that I wrote many years ago about the origin of lotteries in the United States and how different they are from what we know today when we think of lotteries. I'm going to share some stories of early lotteries in the United States, some scandals that were associated with them, and how a lottery set a new legal precedent. As you know, I love American colonial slash revolutionary history, and while lotteries began in China before the birth of Christ, I was more interested in learning about the evolution of the lottery in the United States, and I will tell you I was not disappointed with what I found. So let's first talk about lotteries in the early United States. Lotteries were chiefly used to raise money for a variety of ventures rather than for a private citizen to make it rich, like we might think of today. A lottery run by the Virginia Company of London in 1612 helped raise money to settle the colonists in Jamestown, Virginia. Many early universities like Princeton, Yale, University of Pennsylvania used lotteries to fund the construction of buildings in the 18th century. Even George Washington attempted to sponsor a lottery in 1767 to build a road that was going to lead to a resort that he and some friends were working on. That's fun, right? Unfortunately, Washington's plan didn't pan out because there were too many other lotteries going on at the time, and the king banned lotteries that year. The lottery did eventually go ahead once it became legal again without Washington's help, but people weren't as into it because 85% would go to the winner, with the remainder being kept for the project. Apparently 15% was too much, they thought, that was kept for the project, but imagine how they would feel today with the amount that gets taken out with taxes alone. I mean, keeping 85% of a lottery seems like a dream. Earlier, in 1747, Ben Franklin used a lottery to raise money to buy cannons to protect Philadelphia. With his printing press producing pamphlets and his promotion of the game, the Philadelphians came as near to selling out in seven weeks as the New England lotteries did in seven months. So you could see that promotion was very important. 
Now, let's not forget about good old Thomas Jefferson when we're talking about founding fathers. Uh, If you know me, you know I have complicated feelings about him, but here is another reason why he is far from my favorite. Jefferson had the grand idea of using a lottery to pay off his debts. In the year of his death, he petitioned the Virginia State Legislature to get permission to run a lottery for the aforementioned purpose, writing that far from being immoral, the lotteries are indispensable to the existence of man. I feel like that's a pretty bold statement, Tom. Um, So really, (laughs) his heirs were able to hold the lottery after his death, but it was unsuccessful to tackle his mountain of debt. Um, Jefferson did like to live large. Even Alexander Hamilton was in on this scheme. As you may remember, the Americans were pretty upset about the whole taxes thing, so even if they did have representation in their own country, it was still not widely accepted that taxes should be used to pay for public projects, so they used lotteries instead. As Hamilton put it, everybody will be willing to hazard a trifling sum for the chance of considerable gain, and would prefer a small chance of winning a great deal to a great chance of winning little. So this kind of gives you a background of how common lotteries were in early America, how founding fathers were promoting them for a variety of purposes, from Ben Franklin saying, let's get some cannons to protect the city, to Jefferson saying, "Uh, I have taken on quite a bit of debt. Uh, I might need some help. So let's now think about, well, here are some of the you know examples that I was giving, but what about scandalous things that happened with lotteries, either in early America, but I'm going to kind of take us a little bit further into our U.S. history. Things got quite out of hand in the 1800s in Louisiana. Three things happened there that inspired other states to stop doing lotteries altogether. First, the founder of the Louisiana Lottery got a 25-year charter to be the only gambling outlet in the state, and he did this by paying off the state naturally. The second issue was the lottery company paid for more reputable men to host the drawings. They actually had former Confederate generals be the ones to host drawings. And third, the company kept the unsold tickets and actually won the prize. So it didn't even end up going to um, individuals that were purchasing tickets. Now, you may be wondering how this whole thing started and how it got so out of hand in Louisiana. Well, let's meet a man named Charles T. Howard. He was sent to Louisiana from Kentucky with $50,000 from a company that he was supposed to get a lottery charter on behalf of. Well, once he paid off the legislature and he got the charter, he got local partners instead and he completely abandoned the original company that gave him the money. He became a good old corrupt and influential man in Louisiana and he wanted to show off. He tried to become a part of the exclusive Metairie Jockey Club, but he was denied membership. He ended up getting the last laugh, though, when he bought the race course years later, turned it into a cemetery, and then was buried in the center of that cemetery. That'll really show them. So after lotteries were banned, as we know, they ended up coming back. Um, But now we're going to talk a little bit about our last topic around litigation and how lotteries ended up setting a legal precedent. 
So the year was 1812, and when the federal government created the National Lottery, Virginia had already passed a law to prevent the sale of -of out-of-state lottery tickets within Virginia. A highly regarded lottery company in Virginia sold tickets to the National Lottery and was charged by local authorities with breaking the only Virginia lottery tickets rule. The brothers who owned the company sued, and the issue made its way to the Supreme Court. Ultimately, the Supreme Court said that federal courts could review decisions made by state courts on federal law, and Cohen's versus Virginia went into the history books. Well, there you have it, a very short episode today giving you a couple of fun facts that you can use about the history of lotteries and how different they were compared to what we do today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Stories New and Old on your podcast platform of choice. You can follow me on Instagram to get teasers for new episodes, and you can check out my blog for more great history content. If you're so inclined, please rate and review this episode as it helps me come up with new ideas and is a wonderful way for you to support the podcast. Thanks for listening to Stories New and Old with me, Alyssa. I will see you next time. <music>